Astrology with Alexis. My name is Alexis Massarella. Now, this show is brought to you by Distraction Magazine with a brand new episode every two weeks. In last week's episode, I revealed all of Cancer's dirty little secrets, which you should definitely check out if you want to hear me reference my back getting blown out within the first five minutes. But in this week's episode, we will be discussing something a tad more complex, which are the houses. Now, for all the sorority girls, I'm not talking about the houses that you were denied in Miami because they think you're going to fucking start a brothel. And no, for all the virgins, I'm not talking about your Hogwarts house, which is just fucking bullshit. That's trying to make you feel better because you're a virgin. But I'm talking actually about at the moment you were born, the planets are all in specific signs and they're all in specific houses. But instead of being based on the sun's yearly rotational movement, these houses reflect the Earth's own 24-hour rotation around its axis. Now, you can find out what your houses are by looking at the numbers on the far right of your chart when you pull it up on CoStar. But you're probably still thinking, I have, what the fuck? I've never even heard of a house. Also, why did you just virgin shame me? And honestly, the houses, it, it's going to take this whole episode before you really understand what they mean. And I want to take that time because, you know, the houses really make up who you are. Remember, a lot of stuff goes into your chart because a lot of things go into making you you. So once you have this better understanding of the houses, you're going to have a lot better understanding of your own chart and the other people you encounter. About the virgin shaming, I'm just insecure because I'm a whore, so don't take anything I say too seriously. I want you to visualize the zodiac like a clock, so it's laid out in a circle. So go ahead, close your eyes, listen to the soothing sound of my voice as you visualize this clock. So this clock runs counterclockwise, and it starts at the 9 o'clock instead of the 2. All right, this is probably a little bit confusing for the head empty people out there, especially the Aries. Um, So the main point is it's divided into 12 segments. And each of these segments are houses with each corresponding with one of the 12 signs. So the Zodiac begins with the first house, and that house is in the nine o'clock position, which is your rising sign. So if you remember back to the first episode, I explained the rising as it wasn't a planet, but it definitely was an important position in your chart that makes up some of your personality. You will always find your rising sign in the first house. And this ascendant also reveals your chart's ruling planet, which has a very large effect on the way that you act and just it affects the balance of all the other planets in your charts, the houses. That rising sign is just a very powerful placement in your chart. Each house is associated with a set of traits beginning from the self, and then they expand outward into society and beyond. So the reason why these houses are important is because astrologers use them to predict which parts of your life will come into focus and where you can take the best possible action. So it's less about your personality and more about the actions that you take and the energy that surrounds those actions that you take. 
When a planet visits a house, they light up that part of your chart and they energize that house's traits. So the planets within the house reveal the full scope of your experience and it just you know, buffens up the nuances of our personalities. The planet's position in the house can imply what sort of friendships or jobs you will have, but more generally, they will reveal where you will focus most of your energy. So once we identify the way the planet and sign works together, we then look to the houses to discover exactly what that energy is manifesting. So let me further explain this by using an example. So let's say you are cursed with a Venus Scorpio and it's in the second house of material objects. That would make someone especially drawn to like a financially stable lover. Or if your Venus Scorpio was in the ninth house of travel, that would signify, you know, a penchant for long distance romance. (laughs) It's important to consider which houses have lots of planets and which houses are just completely empty. So you have to notice that there's a balance of your chart. So typically when we have many planets that are clustered in an area of your chart, it could represent that that area is critical in our lives. But if there's a lack of plants in a house, that doesn't mean you don't have anything going on in that area of your life. It just means that there are fewer influencing powers or variables. An empty house, as it's known, can be baffling to anyone who isn't a seasoned astrologer, but it isn't a cause for alarm. Here's another example. If you have an empty 10th house, which is, you know, professional life, this doesn't mean that your professional life is doomed. You can be employed your entire working life without a single planet in the 10th house. But that said, your career just probably is not the focus of your life, and it probably means you won't have to face many challenges or dramatic shifts in your career path. Another example would be an empty fourth house, which is probably even more alarming because that signifies foundation in your chart. But even if your fourth house is empty, you can have extremely strong bonds with your parents or your family. You may even have an easier time maintaining those bonds than most. Like I said, when there's a cluster, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. It's just those are the houses that will demand most of your attention. When you have three or more planets in the same house or sign, it's called a stellium. And that indicates a heightened level of focus on that sign and or house and has a stronger influence or pull in your life. It brings a high level energy and intensity to the subject of that house or the nature of that sign. So these people need to work harder to become balanced, but they can also concentrate their energy to get great things accomplished in the area the stellium occurs. This means that having a stellium could be a huge detriment in your life if you cannot physically or mentally handle it, but having a stellium could also be a great sign of being someone extremely successful or that goes above and beyond in certain areas of their life. It really depends on where that placement is. Another thing that's important to mention is that these stelliums directly affect the personal relationships in your life and even your physical health. So this configuration creates so much energy coming into the activities and fairs of that house that generates almost an obsessive energy. And this individual can become obsessively focused with the activities of that house to a point where it's so bad that they need to focus on the opposite house and get out of the house that they're currently in in order to correct it. 
So understanding the influences of a stellium is something that can help unpack complex behaviors of people who are obsessive about things or keep experiencing repeating situations in your life. I don't want to get too carried away with the stelliums because this could be a whole entire episode on itself about how when you have a cluster of a certain sign or a cluster of a certain house within your chart, it really, man, it makes so much sense when you finally can understand it. So if you guys want an episode on stelliums themselves, I would be happy to do it. Just send a message to Distraction Magazine, let them know you want it. But let's get back to houses. So when planets in the sky, now this is away from our chart, when planets in the sky are constantly moving across our different houses, uh, a certain period of your life will embody the essence of that house depending on where the planet's placements are. Let's go back to the chart, pull up your co-star, and let's find out what the 12 houses represent, and you can see how they directly affect your chart with your planets placed in them. So the first six houses are known as the personal houses, while the last six are known as the interpersonal houses. So like I said, it goes from self to society. The first house is the house of self. Defined by the ascendant, the first house defines you. It represents the body you were born with, your physical appearance, and your general temperament. Now, the natal planets that occupy the first house tend to have a very strong influence on that person's life. So, for instance, if you have Mercury in the first house, I do. It's a sign of a chatterbox. I mean, I have my own fucking podcast, okay? What more do I have to say? But if you have Moon in the first house, that reveals that you are someone who wears their emotions on their sleeve. Since this is the first stop in the cycle when planets in the sky transit into the first house, our goals are manifested. There's new projects, ideas, or perspectives that finally take form, and this house corresponds with Aries energy. Now, I'm just going to come out and admit it. I have a stellium here. I have six planets in the first house, and it's so obvious because when you meet me, I have the fucking mindset of Nicki Minaj. Um, ciao. Anyway, so... I don't know why. I am a white girl that is built like the fucking original pancake house. But I am Nicki Minaj in my head. I don't know. When I listen to New Body, has everyone heard that verse on, uh, fuck, yeah, that verse on New Body by Kanye West with Ty Dolla Sign and Nicki Minaj? Listen to that Nicki Minaj verse. That is me. And the only way I can explain it is because I got six planets in the first house. I was cursed by birth. Or maybe I was just blessed. So thank you, Stellium. You want to know what? No, I am going to leave. Moving on, we're going to go into the second house of material values and security. So this is related to our personal finances, material possessions, and the concept of value. So natal planets in your chart for the second house tend to seek security through their own material world. Planets transiting the second house... Uh, in the sky, they will reveal our changes in resources or self-esteem. Uh, this house corresponds with Taurus energy, of course, uh, and my brother has a stellium here. And sis, I'm not about to expose you on my podcast, but this says a lot. Bruh. The third house is learning and communication. Communication, transportation, and local community are all governed by the third house. And the natal planets in the third house are motivated by expression and often to build close relationships with their peers, including siblings, co-workers, and classmates. But when planets transit in the third house, we often receive important information about our immediate network. And this house corresponds with Gemini energy. Continuing to the fourth house, 
of home life and the base of operations, it sits at the base of the chart and it symbolizes home and family. So the natal planets in the fourth house reveal an individual's relationship with their maternal figure, as well as their unique outlook on uh, domesticity. Planets moving across the fourth house often encourage us to invest in our infrastructure by creating more private or nurturing spaces within. And this house corresponds with cancer energy. And it's actually interesting because I just talked to a girl who has a stellium here, and she was so concerned about what her family would think of her. And it just goes to show you, like, just because you have a stellium in the fourth house of home life, you'd think to yourself, like, oh, it's manifesting a lot of good energy. You know, everyone always assumes that, that like, this energy it's manifesting is something good. But this stellium here for her, her family was holding her back. She was so concerned with her own family's thoughts about herself that she could not ever fully allow herself to be herself. And I'm not going to expose her too much out of respect for my community in the closet. But girl, I am most definitely praying for you. Thanks, ugly guy. Fifth house of recreation, romance, and creativity. This is a playful zone of the fifth house. And it's just linked to, you know, very childlike behaviors, you know, creativity, romance. It's so innocent and has such this like pure of heart energy to it. The natal planets in the fifth house are linked to your intrinsic artistic expression, while the planets that when they're in transit of the fifth house, it delivers eureka moments that boost our confidence, which is, of course, corresponds with Leo energy. Moving into the sixth house, which is work environment, duties, and health. So this is our wellness, our daily routines, even including odd jobs. While the body you're born with exists in the first house, the choices made over a lifetime create the body found in your sixth house. So those with natal plants in this zone are often fueled by organization, structure, and tend to focus on their time and calendar management, which totally makes sense because actually my uh, the editor-in-chief of the Miami Hurricane, the newspaper. She has a stellium here, and she is probably one of the craziest bitches I know. And I mean that in the most respectful way possible because she does fucking everything. Like, literally does absolutely everything, is working 24 fucking 7 to make that publication what it is. And it just makes so much sense. When I was looking, I was looking at my French charts before I recorded this episode to see who had stelliums where. It just made so much sense that she had so many planets here because it does take up a lot of her life. But you know what? She's so successful doing it. So I think that's a good example of having a stellium and then focusing your energy in that area in order to succeed. And of course, that corresponds with Virgo energy. And the planets transiting the sixth house will help us form habits and redefine our schedules. Up until now, all of the houses we just explored were individuals' immediate worlds. It's their money, their home, and their friends. However, in the seventh house, we're moving on to the concept of perspective, which is introduced. So the seventh house is relationships, partnerships, and marriage. And it's also known as the descendant, which sits directly across from the first house ascendant. The seventh house symbolizes your cosmic plus one. So those with natal planets in the seventh house tend to be very focused on relationships, gravitating towards a partnership in all areas of life. And when planets move through the seventh house, it helps us close deals, secure bonds by signing contracts, and it makes things official. So this house corresponds with 
Libra energy. Now for the eighth house, okay, I often refer to the eighth house as the haunted house of the birth chart because it's all about meeting needs, joint resources, but also life's mysteries. And this zone is the area of sex, death, and transformation. Now that's like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of Gen Z. Like literally everyone in my generation is obsessed with either sex, dying, or becoming a completely different person within a year. Especially if you've been doing that Chloe Ting Summer Shred 2020. Hey guys, welcome to the 2020 Summer Shred Challenge. I do it every afternoon and then I stuff my face at night, but... I guess it's doing something. Those with natal planets in the eighth house are often attracted to supernatural or occult topics. So they like really intense romances and they'll regenerate themselves often within their lifetime. When planets transit through the eighth house, this helps us understand the underbelly of a situation or it will serve as a reminder of life's complexities. And of course, this house corresponds with Scorpio energy, the fucking monsters of astrology. The ninth house is travel, higher learning, and philosophy of life. And in medieval astrology, this region was originally linked to places and people outside of your village. But now we interpret this area as both literal and intellectual exploration. So those born with natal plants in the ninth house are extremely curious and inquisitive, and they have a deep-rooted wanderlust. Uh, when planets move across the ninth house, we'll often begin studying a new topic, move to a foreign location, or adopt a completely different perspective. And this house corresponds with Sagittarius energy. The 10th house, career, prestige, and reputation, it's located at the very top of your birth chart and is the apex of your unique story. It's the highest point, which is called the midheaven, and it's often embedded in your 10th house and signifies the height of your success. So the 10th house also governs public image, professional aspirations, and career achievements. Natal planets in the 10th house reveals an ambitious individual and changes in this profession often occur only when the planets are transiting this zone. This house corresponds with a Capricorn energy. And if you have a stellium in the 10th house, you may be successful in career, but these people definitely get way too fucking obsessed with their reputation. I have a former friend who had a stellium in the 10th house and Thank God that is a former friend because anyone who is too concerned with their own reputation and not about their friendships, that is a horrible trait to be born with. Disgusting! Moving on to the 11th house, friendships, associations, ideals, and causes. As the houses begin their descent, the 11th house helps us remember the purpose of our hard work. So it's linked to humanitarian pursuits as well as our distant social network. And technology and innovation also exist within this zone. So those born with planets in the 11th house are often defined by their revolutionary ideas. But when planets transit through this domain, it helps us broaden our reach as we define our role within society. And of course, this house corresponds with Aquarius energy. The last house is the 12th house of subconscious, psychological issues, and secrets. So in the sky, the 12th house just exists 
beneath the horizon. It's quite literally the darkness before dawn. Likewise, the 12th house is considered the unseen realm, and it governs all things that exist without physical form, so dreams, secrets, and emotions. Those born with planets in the 12th house are often highly intuitive, perhaps even psychic. We attract karmic people into our lives when planets transit the 12th house, but during this time, we must also remember that not all relationships are meant to last. And yes, I'm talking to all you bitches that decided that quarantine would be a great time to reach out to that ex, but... You know what? If reaching out to an ex is weak, then who the fuck wants to be strong, right? Uh, Anyways, this house corresponds with Pisces energy. That is the last house we're going to take a look at. So thank you for tuning in with me to another episode of Astrology with Alexis. I hope you learned a lot more about yourself and your chart. And next episode, we are going to be examining Leo season, one of my favorite signs. And I have a very very sexy special guest coming on. So you're definitely going to want to tune in for that. But before I end this episode, I want to make it very clear how grateful I am to have this podcast and it would not be possible without the incredible amount of support I have around me. Uh, So, and you know who you are and I'm so, so grateful for everyone who's been reaching out and expressing how much they love this podcast. Um, I hope to keep you guys laughing and learning throughout the year. And I will see you next time on Astrology with Alexis. See ya. Hey, yo. You ain't fuck me, you fuck the old body. You ain't fuck Nikki, you fuck Nicole body. I, I, I think my haters just really be wanting to kiss. They know what body you, sis. Oh, nigga, hit me and ask.